And I'm going to explain that when I'm done, okay? So I'm going to try to go fast, but don't worry. If I'm going too fast, you're like, I'm not getting any of this. That's okay, because um, we're, you're going to talk about it in your, in your groups. It's going to be good, I hope. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're going to pray, and we're going to jump right in. So uh, if you have your, well, who, who needs a Bible? 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 Get the box quickly. At least forget about the Bible. That's horrible. Raise your hand if you need a Bible. Hi, and you people, I know a lot of you have Bibles, so bring your Bibles. Sheesh. I told you every week I'll get you one. That's alright, you're all just a disappointment. Good job. Who, who brought their Bible? The Bible says not to boast. You brought it, but you're not reading it. You're boasting Christ. I know how. Try. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. If you were a job that required you to wear a uniform, would you show up without your uniform? Don't come to the assembly of God's people without a copy of the word. A paper copy. Okay. And if you need a paper copy, I'm serious. I'll buy you one. I really will. So let me know if you need one, okay? Capiche? Capiche? I'm going to start keeping score, like, how many, like, less people we can get to forget their Bible, and we're going we're gonna to get there. But all right. Let us pray, and we're going to get started. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for Jesus and uh, what he has done in the lives of uh, 10 of our students, God. Um, I could not help but reflect upon that night in 2009, God, when you worked in my heart and turned me from darkness to light and called me to yourself, oh God, without, with, the, with me resisting you the entire way. Lord, I was headed for destruction. I was headed uh, completely away from you. And Lord, had I not repented of my sin, I would have headed for hell. So I thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for what you did for me and what you've done in the hearts and lives of those who have professed faith in Jesus Christ in our youth group. May you save many more for your glory. And may you open our eyes to Ephesians chapter 4 in the last part tonight. And may Jesus Christ be exalted and may we do it in his power. And I ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. A word quickly to those who were baptized today. Look, look at me. This is for you. You were applauded by your peers, rightly so, and we encourage you. But I want to tell you right now, the world does not applaud what you did today. The world hates you now, because it hated Jesus before they, before, they hated, before they hate you. And there are people all over the world who, when they go through the waters of baptism, they do it in public, and at that moment, they are disowned from their family. But, but take heart, for Christ has overcome the world. And this is why gathering together on a consistent basis is so important so that you do have this group right here and the group that meets over there, that us together encourage one another because this is the only place that you're going to receive applause for following Jesus Christ. So you need to come here, get re-energized and get refreshed, get accountability so you can go out into the world and be a faithful witness so you don't cower 
when the world hates you for loving Jesus Christ, all right? So I want you to know that. I encourage you, and it's awesome, and we applaud you, and we're so happy for you, but just continue to come and be encouraged here so that you have that courage when you go out, all right? Yes? Good. Ephesians chapter 4. I'm calling this Let's Get Practical, okay? We're going to recap. We've been talking about for the last several weeks, and especially last week, that the true gospel changes you. It produces change. Paul says from verses 17 through 19, he says, that's the old way of living. And then he comes to verse 20 and he said, look, that way of living, you certainly didn't learn that from Jesus. From the moment you first came to know him till now as you're maturing in him, he said, you certainly didn't learn from Jesus Christ that you can trust him as, as your savior and then not follow him as your Lord. You did not learn that from him. So we learn that the true gospel from the very beginning produces a change. It looks different in certain people, okay? But a change nonetheless occurs. We saw that uh, when you become a believer, that... The true change, God begins by removing the old. Remember we talked about how a renovation project, you don't put the new over the old because that's just dumb. You first have to gut the bathroom, gut the kitchen, gut the floor, right? Same thing with you. You have to put off the old man, the old woman, all right? Then we saw that change happens when you renew your mind, that's real change, because if you change on the outside, but your thinking hasn't changed, you haven't really changed. You're a Pharisee. See? And the way I described it was, it's a passive change. In verse 23, Paul says, and be renewed. He doesn't say renew yourself. He says, be renewed. Let someone else do the renewing. And we see that in the context of Ephesians, that's the Holy Spirit. And so I gave you the illustration of when you want to sin, when you want to disobey God, or when the urge comes, I should say, and your flesh rears up its ugly head, and the Holy Spirit is telling you something else, let Him have His way in that moment. Submit to Him. Let Him renew the way you think. I gave the illustration of our neighbors and how we're having a conflict with them and how uh, I just really struggled with hatred towards them. And in those moments, the Spirit was saying, Chris, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of my name, you are to show them love and not retaliate. And I'm like, but I really want to say something to him right now. He's in my garden bed. But he said, Chris, no. And my thinking had to be changed in that moment. And so that's a letting the Spirit renew your mind. Then I said, uh, or Paul says rather in verse 24, that change completes itself when you put on the new man. See, it's not enough to, uh, like we use the illustration of Zeke going on a date and he turned red, so I'm sorry if I embarrassed him. Um, but Zeke said he did a, what do you call those triathlons? Yeah, Zeke did it. Zeke deserves another round of applause for that. That's just... That's impressive, okay? Zeke did a triathlon. I said, if Zeke did a triathlon all day long and he was stinky and sweaty, he would have to go home and take a... Shower. Thank you, Alex. He would have to take a shower to get clean. But then Zeke has to put something new on, okay? The illustration breaks down, but... The idea is when you put off the old way, the old way of life, the way you used to live, the way you used to think, you renew your mind. You have to also put on the new, the new life. Very good. The new life. Okay. Now I'm going to ask a question and, and Paul presents the answer through the Holy Spirit. What does this look like 
moment by moment, day to day, at school, at work, at home, on the sports field, at church. What does this mean for your new life in Jesus Christ that you're now to be changed? Let's look now at verses 25 through um, the end there. Paul says this, Therefore, based on that change I just talked about in those last verses, having put away falsehood or put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone who is in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. All right. This is very practical. This is like boom, 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 bullet point, one thing after another. And so I'm going to give you the practical quick. And next week, I don't know quite what I'm going to do yet. Either come back to this and just close it all up or move on, not positive. But I'm going to give you all these practical points. And then you're going to break up in your group and I'm going to, I'm going to guide your discussion. Okay? You ready? 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 Okay. Some of you are ready. All right. Here's the first thing that the new life means for your daily life. Okay? Here's the first thing that the new life in Christ means for your daily life. It means that you tell the truth. It means that you're an honest person. Look at verse 25. Therefore, based upon the fact that you have a new life in Jesus Christ, put away falsehood. And he's actually saying, having put away falsehood, he's assuming that you've put away lies because you believed the truth. Jesus is truth. You've believed the truth. You've put away lies. Now, let every one of you, no, no one left out, speak the truth with his neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Everyone that you're sitting around right now. Now, he's talking in the context of a local church. Obviously, the Bible says you have to speak the truth to everybody. But he's saying, especially to your brothers and sisters, speak the truth. Why? Because you're a part of the same body. You're members one of another. How ridiculous would it be for one part of your body to lie to another? Think about how important this is. Look at this in this illustration. If your kidney is failing, okay, and there's problems there, you have pain, right? Or if your heart, your heart is stopping, you have a heart attack, you have chest pain. Now, if you're starting to have chest pain, where do you go? Doctors. Very good, middle school boys. You go to the doctor or the emergency room. Yeah, boy, Alex, good job. And you go get help. Now, what if you were having a heart attack? Listen. And the nerves that were supposed to communicate with your brain to say, hey, something's wrong, just decided they're going to lie. Everything's hunky-dory. What's going to happen? You're going to die. Okay? You're going to end up dead. Alex, your boys again. Good job. Now, listen. It's the same thing. Paul says, look, tell the truth to each other. 
Why would you lie to another member of the body? And there's so many ways to apply this, and I'm not going to go on because you're going to do that in your groups, but the first thing I think about is this. Another brother or sister says, hey, how's your walk with Jesus? And are you even asking each other that? How's your walk with Jesus? Are you going to lie to him or her? Or are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to tell the truth? Or you see something in your brother or sister's life that ain't right. Are you going to tell the truth in those moments? So don't lie to each other. Stop lying. Why? Because you're part of the same body. Tell the truth. Number two. The new life in Christ that you have means that in your daily life that you control your anger. It means that you control your anger. Who has a problem with controlling their anger? I do, especially when I drive. Okay, I have a problem with controlling my anger. Listen to verses 26 through 27. Pretty straightforward here. Be angry. Now, he's not necessarily saying, go ahead and be angry. He's just saying, when you're angry, and and anger is a natural emotion. It's okay. Jesus was angry at a point in his life. God gets angry. But he says, when you're angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And give no opportunity to the devil. Okay. He says, the first thing he says is stop sinning with your anger. Stop letting your anger lead you to sin. I'm sure you can all think of ways that anger can lead to sin. There are many people today in jail for manslaughter because their anger got the better of them. Okay? Many friendships, many families are destroyed today because anger bore fruit into sin. Now, it is okay to hear about a man who rapes a child and be angry at that. But you must know how to channel that anger and how to control that anger. Okay? Anger can lead to sin, but anger, you need to have control of it. Does that make sense? Okay. The next thing... Do not hold on to your anger and let it fester. That's what it means. Do not let the sun go down upon your wrath. He says, don't go to bed angry. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. Don't carry it day in and day out. You know what that's called? It's called bitterness. And the book of Hebrews says that bitterness not only defiles you, but it corrupts everyone else around you. Anybody know someone who's bitter? Ever been bitter? Bitterness is when you're angry and you're just, it's an ongoing anger. And how many of you, there's a, there's a person that you, you, you just know, every time you start talking, you start talking with them. I have some of this in my life. Every time I bring up a conversation with him, it always leads to that thing that he's just still ticked about for the last 10 years. Anybody? Know something like that? Okay. Do not, as a believer, bitterness is a sin. Do not hold on to your bitterness. You have to trust the Lord that he is going to deal with that person or that situation. The last thing he says is very interesting. Don't let your anger give Satan an opportunity to to use that against you. How many of you, when you're angry, you're like... You you have no self-control almost. Like you, you will do almost anything wicked, right? When you're angry and you're furious. That's why people do things that they horribly regret when they get into a rage, when they get upset, when they get ticked off. And the devil can use that to destroy your life in a moment. Destroy your life in a moment. Young men, look at me. Look at me, young men. 
You, if the Lord has you to get married someday and you have children and you don't control your anger and one day you take a swing at your, at your wife, it's over, dude. You'll lose her and you'll lose the kids. Women, take a swing at your husband or a swing at one of your kids because you get angry. That could be it. They could be taken from you. It can ruin your life. And it's also a horrible testimony for Jesus. Anger, the Satan can use it to destroy you. And he's a murderer from the beginning. He abides not in the truth. He wants to destroy. Okay? So do not give Satan an opportunity when you're angry. Next, what it means, having a new life in Christ means that your new life on a daily level, it means that you give rather than take. It means that you give rather than take. Look at verse 28. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Why? So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. This is amazing. Talk about a complete change that the gospel brings about in someone who's a thief. Someone who literally a thief, is, 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 it's a characteristic of somebody. They steal and steal and steal and steal and steal. In our culture, we call that person a kleptomaniac. They can't help themselves but to steal. Paul says, look, the new life. Stop stealing. Put it off. And they do a complete 180. Now, they do honest work. And they, you know why they work? To give to others. Best example of this in all the scripture is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Tax collectors were known to be like the most filthy people in society. Not physically filthy, but in terms of their morals. Rome would have them collect taxes from their people. Okay, Zacchaeus was a Jew. And they saw him as a traitor. And this is how they, check this incentive out. They said, as much money as you take, you can skim a percentage off the top. So that motivated him then to take more from you. Like, let's say technically you owe 25 pieces of silver a year. He might say, hey, uh, you owe 60. And you can't argue with him. And that means he gets a higher percentage. You see how this leads? So Zacchaeus is doing this. And Jesus comes to Zacchaeus and he saves him. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, I am going to give back everything I've ever stolen. And not only that, I'm going to give it back four times extra. That's what a new heart does. When God comes and changes you and saves you from your sin and regenerates you and gives you that new heart that wants to obey his law. You now change from doing what you used to do completely to doing what God wants you to do, which is to give to those who are in need. God blessed Abraham. Why? So that he might bless the world. So when God blesses you, you're to bless others. You're to bless others. Next point. The new life in the gospel, it means that you build up with your words instead of tear Tearing down with your words. Look at verses 29 through 30. Every one of us needs to hear this. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. First thing he says is stop corrupting others with your mouth. That's not just what you say. It's how you say it. 
I'm a guy who, believe it or not, I struggle with my tone at times. I struggle sometimes when I talk to you with my tone. Our speech, uh, one guy put it this way, the tongue is the dipstick to the heart. Jesus says that out of the mouth come the issues of life, okay? What comes from your mouth shows what's inside your heart. And our tongues, James says, it's untamable and it can slay people. How many of you, the biggest hurt you've ever had in your life came from something someone said to you? Anybody? Yeah? How many of you, after you said something you shouldn't have, you watched someone else, you watched their face melt because you said something? That you've said it to your parents? To your sibling? And here's here's what Paul's saying. Believer, no corrupt. What does corrupt mean? It means that to destroy, to defile, to ruin, to tear down. Let nothing you say do that to someone else. Whether it's filthy, whether it's just rude, whether it's a lie, don't talk like that to each other. You're not here to do that. He says, but build each other up. Let everything that comes out of your mouth build each other up. Now, that doesn't mean sometimes what comes out of your mouth is not going to hurt the other person. It's not going to wound. Faithful the wounds of a friend, says Proverbs. Sometimes speaking the truth, no matter how you code it, hurts. It hurts. Okay? But here's the difference. Ready? Look at me. The difference is this. When you say something true but painful to each other, what's your motive? Are you saying that to make that person feel small? Are you saying that to show that you're better than that person? Are you saying that because you don't like them and you want them to feel worse about themselves? Or are you saying that because what you want is your words to them to realize their sin, realize their error, and turn from that and grow in grace? And then you're willing to help them do that. That's the difference. What's your motive behind what you say and how you say it? So nothing you should say, and that's, you know, I haven't gotten into swear words yet. We're going to get there. Your filthy talk. And Paul's going to talk about, um, coming up in chapter 5, sexually oriented jokes. But he's just focusing right now on any speech that tears each other down. It's not to exist among believers at all. And this is interesting. He ties in that this kind of speech grieves the Holy Spirit. You know, it hurts God when he hears that come out of your mouth because he knows that what came out of your mouth is coming out of your heart. And he knows that he's supposed to be ruling your heart in those moments. So when you speak filthily to one another, I think I made that word up, the Holy Spirit is grieved. So he says, don't grieve him because he has sealed you for the day of redemption. He's, you belong to him and his children don't talk that way. Okay? Last thing. The new life in Christ means on a daily basis, it means that you love each other rather than uh, war against one another. Look at verses 31 to 32. This is kind of like a blast fire hose of stuff. But he kind of sums it all up and he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. <clears throat> Translate some of those words for you. Let go of your bitterness. Quit being angry all the time. 
uh, 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 clamor is, 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 uh, is to shout and argue. Any of you guilty of that? Yeah? And put away all kinds of evil. That's, what, that's malice. Anything that is wicked, put it away. Look up here. Apart from knowing Jesus as your Savior, you cannot do this. You can't. You'll struggle, you'll try, and you'll fail. But believer, look at me. In the power of the Spirit who lives within you, who sealed you for the day of redemption, you can. You can. You can grow in grace. You can live and walk and follow in Jesus' footsteps. I promise you. God saved you to be new. You are made new. You're not who you were anymore. So don't let these commands just bury you in the sand because you feel like you can't do it. Because yeah, you can do it, but God can do it through you. Because Ephesians 2 verse 10 said that he saved you to works that he already prepared beforehand that you might walk in them. God's already done it. You're to now follow the Spirit and grow in grace. How encouraging is that? Now, if you're not saved, this is just going to beat you over the head. But you can come to know Jesus tonight. And then when you do, it says, here's what you want to put on. You want to be kind in your actions. Be gentle in your heart towards others. And forgive when you are wrong. Woo! That's the hardest one. To forgive others when they legitimately wrong you. I read about these uh, people who... Their child is, is shot and killed, murdered, and I love my son. And I read about these parents that literally go to the prison and look their child's murderer in the face and say, I forgive you. And they're believers. And then they share the gospel with that person. That can only be done by someone who has experienced the greatest forgiveness of all, of all their sins in Jesus. And so you can forgive because you have been forgiven. That's what Paul is telling you. And then we'll look at this next week. And this is how he kind of closes it up. He says, therefore, be imitators of God. That's, that's what we're doing now. We're imitating God. We're following after him as beloved children. Did you know that? You are a, if you're in Jesus, you're his beloved child. That's who you are. Man, on a rainy day, isn't that encouraging? Every day that ought to be encouraging. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. You can love because God first loved you. That's 1 John. Okay? So, next week we're going to look at that point that in all in all it means you imitate.